This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. When I was a little bitty guy, either elementary school or maybe just before that, it's one of my earliest memories, I went with my mother into a uh, sewing store, and while she was looking at some stuff, as we were leaving, I noticed there were these shiny blue buttons on the counter, and I decided I needed the shiny blue buttons, and so my mom was paying for whatever she'd gotten, and I just slipped my hand up, grabbed the buttons, and put them in my pocket. We were in the car on the way home, and I'd taken them out, and I was kind of playing with them and looking at them, and I heard my mom's voice, and as a little kid, it was that moment that you think, I want to be invisible. She said, what do you have? And at first, I was like, nothing, I don't have anything, nothing. She's like, no, what do you have in your hands? And I remember holding up these blue buttons that I'd gotten, and in that moment, my mom knew, I knew I was a button thief. I had stolen the buttons. And I remember the first time I told Angie that story, she was like, really, this still haunts you to this day? But what I remember is, it's the first memory I have. I'm sure there were things before that, but the first memory that I have of doing something bad. What's the first bad thing you ever did? If you remember back, how do you know what that thing is? The reason I know that was the first bad thing that I can remember is because of how I felt in that moment. I felt bad. And when we feel bad because we do something unwise or unhealthy or wrong, where does that bad feeling come from? Why do we feel bad when we do certain things? Does it come from religion or does it come from something even deeper? As I was growing up, everybody I knew had some kind of religion. And I think that's true by and large for today. Even people who may not practice their religion Many people, most people have a religion, a a list of rules, a set of standards that we try to live by. And even those who don't practice their religion are still passionate about their religion or their family's religion or what, what the beliefs are supposed to be. But when you step back and you look at all of the religions in the world, how do we know who's right? How do we know who has it all figured out? Because everyone can't be right. So who's right? And, and what, if, what if no one's right? What if everyone's wrong? Because often, when it comes to religion, people have these, these surface beliefs. People fill church houses every week in this country. And as we're beginning to go back after the pandemic, people are, as we're coming out of the pandemic, people are going to church, going to church online or filling church houses. And in rooms like this, people have walked in and they've sat in these seats and they've prayed and there's been some need in their lives. And they're hoping against hope that God will somehow hear their prayer and answer their prayer because they're being religious and they're coming to a place they feel like they should come. And they're stacking all that, they're putting all their chips in with that on the table, betting and hoping that God will somehow meet the need that they feel so deeply in their lives. But isn't it true that when it comes to religion, these beliefs that we hold on to, we don't often go deep in considering some of the deeper questions. We're passionate about our beliefs, but we don't 
really even know why we believe what we believe. For example, why, why do we believe we should pray? Why should we pray? Why do we believe, where does it come from, this belief that we should be kind to people? Why? Why does humanity matter? Why, why do we believe that it does? Why do we believe that as a church, the church is important and we should gather together? Hebrews tells us that to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why do we believe that? Is it because somebody told you? Is it because you read it somewhere? I mean, why, why do we really believe the things we believe? And shouldn't there be a whole lot more thought for most of us given to, to why we believe what we believe other than just that's how I was raised? Religion, if you look up the definition in dictionary.com, the definition of religion is, it says a set of beliefs concerning the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe, especially when considered as the creation of a superhuman agency or agencies, usually involving devotional and ritual observances, and often containing a moral code governing the conduct of human affairs. The, the cause that backs the purpose of the universe, ritual observations, a moral code that governs how we live and how we function. And for so long, generation after generation after generation, has lived based on some religious beliefs. In previous generations, most people just did what they were supposed to do because of often their religious beliefs. But that's, that's not true anymore. Did you know you can go online and you can take what's called a religion test where you put in all of your preferences and it will tell you what religion is best for you? But if religion has to do with who we are and who God is and how we know Him, if it's a belief system that at its deepest core is supposed to govern who we are from a soul level, shouldn't it be something bigger than me, smarter than me, beyond me, wiser than me. But often it seems to be our personal preferences that drive our religion. For many of us, we've taken what our parents believed and we've, we've morphed it into a version of that that we can feel good about. And it's definitely religion. It's just a religion all about me. And the older you get and the more you go through crisis, your preferences begin to change. And what do we do then? If our religion isn't good enough or strong enough to be timeless, if what I believed and held on to at 18 I don't think works at 48, if our religion has to be dropped for different beliefs throughout the different challenges in life, it's somewhat meaningless. Should we hold on to and build our lives on, and teach our children to live by our preferences. When our preferences are so fickle and they change so often. So because of this, more than ever before, people are giving up on religion. You know what's interesting to me? God gave up on religion a little over 2,000 years ago. And so today, I, I want to spend today and the next few weeks talking about losing my religion. Because I believe we have to lose our religion to truly find God and who He is. Jesus was talking to some of the closest followers that He had in John chapter 14. And, and notice these verses. Jesus says this, 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. You don't have to live in worry. You don't have to live in insecurity. You don't have to live in panic or regret. You don't have to be consumed on the inside with anxiety. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And then Thomas, Thomas, one of his disciples, asked a question that I think in life, there are days and there are seasons that you ask this question. There are days and seasons that I've asked this question. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And isn't that what we're trying to figure out? How can we know the way? Is the way to connect with God on the deepest level and experience His presence in your life and through your life, is the way to experience True forgiveness is the way to experience mercy and the love of God in your life and flowing through your life. How do we know the way to achieve that? Is it by trying to keep a list of rules and behave a certain way and have a certain kind of performance in our lives? Or is it something that's much freer? How do we know the way? When your heart is being ripped out from grief, how do you know the way? When you have more questions than answers in life, How do you know the way? When you have a child that you're trying to figure out how to help because they're walking through pain and they're struggling with some issues, how do we know the way? Because everybody's got an opinion about the way. And so Thomas is asking this question, how how do we know? Because at the end of the day, this is the most important thing in life. And Jesus answered, and I love this answer. It's so personal. It's so intimate. It's so warm and inviting. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is saying to see me is to see the Father. Jesus is also saying in this verse, notice how he answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's also saying this is not some cold list, some truth written out that's cold and harsh and impossible to obtain, some kind of religious system. Because hasn't religion failed all of us? Hasn't religion failed the world? You think about the horrific things that have been done in the name of religion. And religion says there's a standard that you have to keep and there's a standard that I have to keep to measure up to what God wants and expects. How in the world can we keep God's standard when the truth is you can't even keep your own standard and neither can I. You disappoint you and I disappoint me on a regular basis. And Jesus is saying here, it's not about religion. It's not about a list of rules or a list to keep. It's about, it's about knowing and following me, Jesus says, in a personal way. So how is Jesus different from religion? Well, Jesus is the only one to reset time. He's the only one to be raised from the dead. He's the only one to never be inconsistent. He's the only one who always lived everything he taught. He's the only one who could tell the future. He's the only one that fulfilled all of the prophecies. He's the only one that came for you, lived for you, died for you, and rose again for you. And he's the only one that can set you free from religion. See, Jesus offers a unique kind of freedom where religion 
offers a bondage to a whole lot of obligation that you can't possibly achieve. I think about people that are highly religious. And I think about how embracing religion leaves you in one of two places. And if, if you've known people that are highly religious, they, they get stuck in one of these two places. The first one is hypocritical arrogance. Hypocritical arrogance. What I've noticed about highly religious people is they keep, the, they keep all the rules that they choose. The ones they're not keeping, they ignore. They focus on the ones that they're keeping. And they point out how bad everybody else is because they're not keeping the rules they choose. Highly religious people don't usually keep the rule of love your neighbor like yourself. They, they, they don't worry about that. They, they base everything they do on a resume of their good works, but it's their resume, their good works. And it's a kind of arrogance because it's, it's hypocritical because there's a lot of stuff they're not doing. And the truth is, these kinds of people are the reason many of you have struggled with the idea of church and even the idea of God. And if that's you, if you're watching and you, you've wrestled with the whole concept of God and how He could love us because you've looked at people who claim to know God and they're not very loving, hey, could I just say, I am so sorry. Please forgive those of us that are Christ followers because at times we don't represent Jesus very well. We are not perfect, but our Savior is. And for some of you, that has been part of your struggle, the, the hypocritical, arrogant religious people. Embracing religion also leads to, to hopelessness. It, it leads you in a place of being hopeless because you go through that journey long enough and you reach a point where you start to think, I, I tried and I just can't do it. I keep failing. You have the best of intentions. You have the best of motivations. And you're trying, but listen, you can't be perfect. And neither can I. And so when you embrace religion, there's an emptiness to that, and it leaves you in a hopeless place. Embracing Jesus is entirely different. When you embrace Jesus, it brings humility into your life. Because you realize it's, it's not about me. Because I couldn't do it. It's all about Jesus, and it's all about what He's done and who He is. It's not about what I can do or how I behave, because I just can't do it. But it is about Jesus and what He's done. And, and when you function in humility, here's something I've noticed. People are more drawn to you. Highly religious people, th there's a pushback to those kinds of people. But when you function in humility, people are more drawn to you. Because you're living a life recognizing it's based on grace and mercy that comes from God and you can't be good enough and I can't be good enough and it creates that humility. Embracing Jesus also, also brings security. See, religion leaves me insecure because of all that I can't do. But Jesus brings security into my life because I'm able to rest in the confidence that it's all based on what He's done. It's all based on Him and He grows me and He changes me and I am who I am, and God is who God is. And even though God is who God is, there's that security of knowing God loves me, He knows me, He lives inside me, He forgives me, and He walks with me through each and every day. One of the things I've noticed about high, highly religious people, they're never happy. They're never happy. Because the religious treadmill wears them out. Because religion says, if you obey... God will love you. Jesus just says, I love you. 
I love Romans chapter 5. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And it says this, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we couldn't do anything to be good enough. While, while we were still sinners, while I was still a sinner, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for us. While I was still broken, while I was still messed up, Jesus died for me because His love and what He offers is not based on me improving or doing better than most people. It's based on what Jesus did for me. The fullness, this verse reminds me, the fullness of the love of God is that even in our worst moments, we are no less fully loved by God. I love John chapter 14, verse 15, where he says, If you love me, Jesus says, keep my commandments. So what we do in functioning and following Jesus, what we do out of following what the Scripture teaches, is not because we're trying to chase a religion and keep a list of rules. We obey because we love Him. We follow because we love Him. We keep the commandments because we love Him. We serve because we're grateful and we love Him. It's all based on love. The motivation is not... I want to be more religious. The motivation is I want to be more like Jesus, who was extremely loving. Religion was extremely cruel and harsh. In fact, it was religion that murdered Jesus. So how we function is based on our love. Angie and I have four kids, and I remember with each of those pregnancies, there were different cravings. Now, she never had the kind of cravings that I've heard some people have where it's like, i got to have this or I'm going to kill somebody. It wasn't that. It was just like, hey, I think I'd like this. I think I'd like that. And with each kid, they were different cravings, and they would be different times, 5, 5 p.m. or 3 a.m. Or, or whatever time, different things she would want. And I would do my best to get whatever she was craving, not because I feared her, but because I loved her. My, my actions flowed from a love for her. I was motivated by love, not only in the great moments, like expecting each of our kids. I was also motivated by love in moments that she was in pain. We had two little girls, and we found out, hey, you're, you're going to have another one. And we were excited, and we were getting the nursery ready. And you're always excited when a new baby's going to be born, if it's number three. Maybe not if it's number 12, but at number three, we were still excited. And so we're finding out that, hey, you're going to have another one. But I'll never forget the moment, a few months into the pregnancy, in a doctor's office, with Angie laying there on a hard, cold metal table. When we heard the doctor say, your baby's not going to make it. And that baby didn't make it. And you know what I've discovered? In the hard, cold, metal table moments of life, religion leaves you empty. Religion leaves you in those moments believing that you're not good enough and Maybe God's forgotten about you and you, you tried to keep some rules and you tried to do good, but apparently it didn't really matter. But Jesus, in those hard, cold, metal table moments of life, He embraces us in our pain in a supernatural way. He loves us through our pain. He's ever-present, as Scripture says, in times of trouble. He's very personal. And he brings into our lives that humility and that security and ultimately that peace that we can trust him. Religious people care a lot about their pedigree. And they care a lot about your pedigree and your behavior. Jesus knows all about your past. He knows all about your present pain and struggles. And he longs to heal it. 
Jesus is more concerned with your future than your past. He's more concerned with your spiritual birth than your physical birth. Religion is based honestly in fear. Jesus is all about love. And so today, the greatest need for you, the greatest need you may have, may be to lose your religion so you can find Jesus. When it comes to your spiritual life, has it all been based on what you think you have to do to try to make God somewhat happy with you so he'll answer some prayers and maybe he'll forgive some things and maybe ultimately in eternity you'll be okay? Or is your spiritual life and growth based on the fact that, man, Jesus died for me, he rose for me, he loves me, and he lives inside me? Maybe today, maybe today is your day. Today you need to cross the line of faith and pray a simple prayer to invite Jesus to come into your life and to really stiff arm religion and say, okay, the things that are of me or the, or the list that I've made up or if I function in a religious way, I want to drop that and I just want, I want to embrace Jesus and who he is and I do that by just saying yes to his offer of eternal life, of knowing him in a personal way. If that's where you are, I want to invite you to just pray this simple prayer. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and just pray, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Please forgive my sin and live inside me. Thank you for loving me. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, I would love to know that. I would love to be able to pray for you by name and even send you a free gift. If you just prayed that prayer, would you shoot me a text? Just text your first name to 407-487-8311. 407-487-8311. Shoot me a text with your first name. I'll be praying for you by name this week, and I would love to be able to get a free gift out to you. And then if you have anything that you'd like me to be praying for as I'm praying for you, and maybe you prayed that prayer today, I'm going to be praying for you by name, or maybe you're already a Christ follower and you're watching, or maybe you've not committed your life to Christ yet, but you'd say, yeah, I need some prayer. I'd love to be praying for you this week. Just shoot me an email at hello at c3church.cc, and I'll be praying for you. I hope you have an amazing week. I love you. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at givec3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.